This is the Dew Sweepers Golf Show, presented by McConnell Automotive on Sports Radio 105.5 FM, online at WNSP.com, and on the WNSP app. The Dew Sweepers is also brought to you by the Taylor Martino Rowan Law Firm, Stokely Garden Express, Taco Mama, and Strixon Cleveland Golf. Now, stepping up to the tee, here's Golf Digest Top 50 and Golf Magazine Top 100 instructor, Tony Ruggiero. You're listening to a special U.S. Open preview show with excerpts from Tony Ruggiero's Tour Coach podcast series on the sports station WNSP. If you're a Dew Sweepers fan, be sure to check out the Tour Coach wherever you get your podcast. What part of L.A. are we in, Brady? We are in the basically... West L.A., pretty much West L.A. West L.A., good friend Eric Larson here, Henry Diana, caddying out there at the U.S. Open this week. We've got Brady Riggs, Justin Parsons, Matt Rudy from Golf Digest, Jackson Court, our faithful sidekick, and one of the great young teachers in the game. I keep saying that about him, Matt, and at some point he's going to be sold that he's not a young teacher. But um, anyways, we're here for U.S. Open week, and we're kicking this off. Um, We're going to talk this episode here. We're going to talk about prep. So let's start with you, JP, because you've got the most people in the field of anybody at this table. How many do you have this now, 16, 17? We've got Harris English, Brian Harmon, and Luke List. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, it's a very different golf course. Um, we're still trying to work out, you know, whether it's going to favor bombers, whether it's going to favor iron players. You know, there's going to be a lot of long-range putting. There, you know, there, there's a lot going on with the golf course, and I think even after two days, um, we're still trying to figure out exactly uh, who it's going to favour. And you know, Eric, you and I are trying to figure out with with Harris some of his his strategies. Um, what do you think it's uh, it's turned out to be? Well, every U.S. Open course is very difficult. I don't. I've never been to this place before, so it's kind of hard to analyze what it was before and what it is now, but. I think we've got to hit a lot of drivers around here. Um, the rough's pretty penal in a lot of spots. The par threes are very difficult. Rough's different, though. Like, it's not like the wing foot deal where if you just, you know, you missed it by a foot. Like, the fairways are kind of generous, though, for U.S. Open, didn't you think? They're very generous. But there's certain spots, like on uh, the right side of uh, – was it number five today? We were like in by a foot. We had no shot. So, I mean, yeah, they're spotty. Uh, the course is going to play very difficult. Um, they can get it firm, I think, as well. I think it's going to firm I think it's going to firm up. you got to take advantage of certain holes. Um, but if you can play the par threes in a good number, I think those, those are going to be key um, and take advantage of some of the, the shorter holes. HD with Tom Hoagie this week, great ball striker. Everybody knows he's a great ball striker. Also, he travels coach because Jackson flew out here with him on a Delta flight or American flight, and they were both a coach together. Um, talk about your prep, things you're looking for out of a player this week. Well, I mean, it's obviously a unique open uh with the fairways being more generous and stuff like that. So uh, we're doing a lot more prep uh, on the par threes and more of the scoring holes. I think it's going to be the difference in the championship. Par fives are going to be gettable for most of the players. But 
I think the uh, the par threes are going to be key to to win this to win this championship, no doubt. So, you know, it'll be curious to see the winning score and, and you know how the winner is going to play the par threes. In my opinion, I think it's amazing that they've come up with a way to make a par three that could play seventy eight yards. Brutal, right. where you actually have to conceivably play away from the flag on a seventy eight yard hole. I mean, that's got to be a first. Um, Colin Morikawa played it in the Pac-12, one of the Pac-12 tournaments, and he said there was about a foot and a half landing area, practically speaking, if you're going to go at the at the hole. So um, I, I like it when the USGA creates choices and they create tiers of holes where some are gettable, some are hard. I mean, when, when we had you know stretches of time where it was just a brutal test where you're hitting it down a sidewalk down the middle of the yeah. you know down the middle of the fairway and i don't think that tested the limits of somebody's game it just tested who could hit boring shots i like to see choices and chances and risks and if you you know make a poor choice or a poor swing you get penalized i think i said earlier when we first got back to the house like to me there wasn't one type of player that this thing set up for. There's like a lot of ways. That's I've only walked the back nine today. I got in yesterday after Ben had already finished playing. But like there's a lot of different angles and ways to play this golf course. And JP, you said like it's gonna get firmer and faster. So like I think everybody's gonna hit it far enough. Sure. I agree. Right? Like in fact Ben hit a three wood off a of par five today because of the way it runs out and to get around a bunker. So like the old going back to the wing foot, like where Bryson just hammered it down there. I don't know that you need to do that. I think I think the interesting thing is, so if you look at it and you're a coach or you're a teacher, like there's a lot of different ways, a lot of different types of players that you feel like you have a chance for. I don't know that every major you show up at and every U.S. Open you show up, like you feel like every – you always tell your player you got a chance. But like every player you feel like, you know – there's there's a route for most players out here, I think, if you've got certain strong suits. Brady, you've been here in L.A. for a gazillion years. Obviously, been out of L.A., coached a bunch of great players. What are your thoughts? Um, it's really different than Riviera. I mean, that's one of the things that strikes you right away because the grass is so different. You know, the Bermuda's firm. The greens are great. They're not going to hold a lot. And the fairways, while they're generous, they're slanted a lot. You know, so it could be that they're half as small or half as wide as they are. You know, you're gonna have to you have to land on the correct half of the fairway, and if they get really, really firm, you almost have to cut them into the side slopes, kind of like you have to at like 17 Olympic Club, because they will run into the rough. Mm-hmm. If your if your curve is matching the fairway, it's going to be difficult to hold the fairway as the as the week goes on and things firm up. And the the rough's pretty spotty in places. Like it could get it could be worse. Like 11 left long at 11. Mm-hmm isn't as long down there as it could be. I mean, you can catch a really, really good lie down there. So that's going to be interesting to see guys hit similar shots and have two completely different results just by the luck of the draw, which is kind of cool in a way. You know, it keeps it a bit more rub of the green. But it should be really fun as the week progresses. I think course can get harder. And, and, like, go ahead. Isn't that where – I mean, that's kind of where the – it's been super dry here. So the, the dryness makes the fairways green. There's a challenge keeping it in the fairway, but – the dryness is probably given given some breaks in the rough. It's not it's not as full as it could have been if you had a normal spring. Right, I'd say the it was it was very very wet winter, and we've had very mild conditions in the spring and the early 
the summer. So instead of the sun being out and making everything grow, it hasn't been as warm as it usually would be. So it could have been a lot thicker with the rock this week. So if it firms out like it did this afternoon, it could be really fun. I thought this afternoon you could – I wasn't out there yesterday, but from the time we got there this morning to the time from the practice green and the greens I was around – so we walked off the golf course at fairly close to six o'clock this evening. That golf course had changed a lot from the time we teed off. The firmness and how the greens were, and uh, you know, I, I, the big thing to me was like I didn't think it was very penal off the tee. You could get unlucky in spots, and there's a lot of room, but like the rough around the greens was incredibly penal, and you could get some just you could get some lies that are where you. I mean, you can't get it to the green almost and not be very far off the green, you know. And so if the greens get very firm, like was looking at pin placements and stuff, like, well, this could easily on a firm green hop through and get into a really crappy lie that there's not much to do with. HD, start with you and then we'll go to Eric. Like when you're going around the golf course with a player and you watch the golf course changing like it did today, what are you guys talking about? Well, that exact point. I mean, obviously, I was bringing up earlier about the par three. So, I mean, I think 15 is going to be intriguing as the week goes on, obviously, and then especially on the weekend. So that shot and, you know, when they decide to play the 78-yard shot or roughly that, it, you know, awesome. it's going to be incredible. So, I mean, epic for a U.S. Open. So, And uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see how that will change the uh, the championship or how it will dictate the championship. So, um, I, you know, obviously it'll evolve. And I think it still lends itself, the golf course, into a high ball hitter coming in. You know, I think Scheffler will have an advantage, you know, a player that can still flight the ball that high because the greens are that penal and that severe and that contoured. So I think it still lends a, to a player that hits is a, more of a high ball hitter, in my opinion. Well, thinking about this course uh, and any U.S. Open course, you have to be on your game, all facets, and we didn't even talk about putting and short game around the greens. And when Harris played really well at Wingfoot, I thought his short game was really on point, and uh, he putted very well that week. And he finished fourth there, and he was fortunate to finish third uh, at Torrey Pines. And the same thing. Um, you're not going to be able to be really good at one thing and not good at the other. You've got to be really good at all of them. And, to contend at this tournament and obviously there's a lot of bad spots around these greens as we've <laughs> talked about so um, I think it's going to be a difficult task I'm uh, looking forward to the challenge with Harris and uh, his team JP and uh, come up with a game plan like we have in the past and hopefully we can stick to it Watch that backswing and keep it out of the rough. This is the Dew Sweepers Golf Show on WNSP, presented by McConnell Automotive. Once again, your host, Tony Ruggiero. You're listening to a special U.S. Open preview show with excerpts from Tony Ruggiero's Tour Coach podcast series on the sports station WNSP. If you're a Dew Sweepers fan, be sure to check out the Tour Coach wherever you get your podcast. Go to UJP. Like you talked today about how 
we were riding, I think, to get my prescriptions, and you talked about how, you know, Harris is a conservative player, but that makes him play good U.S. Opens and golf. Talk about that for a minute, because I also think that while that suits him, there's probably players that that excludes, right? Like that have a hard. I mean, there's just golfers that don't play well at U.S. Opens that don't play well under those things. So talk about what you think makes him a good U.S. Open player. When you have a conservative strategy and you don't do it very well, it writes you off completely. And then, you know, we, we talked about that a little bit, Eric, at Oak Hill. You know, we, we put together a fairly conservative strategy, didn't execute very well, and that really puts you behind the eight ball. But here, I think the the rough is so, like, it's unpredictable. You know, I'm, I'm watching people go in the rough and they're two yards in the rough and the ball's almost unplayable. You know, they're five yards in the rough, it's okay. So, you know, I, I think it will still benefit people who are willing to take a bit of a chance. I, funnily, I, I think it's going to be, benefit people who are willing to take a chance off the tee. Um, Brian Harmon's a very good driver of the golf ball. We, you know, he started getting it on a wee bit of a string tonight. I think the fairways are a lot narrower, um, like you alluded to, that, you know, if you can get the right shape and you make sure it's not running down and running into the rough, I think that's a big deal for this place because you know the green complexes are guarded at the front a lot. So if you're if you're in the rough, it's going to be difficult to like run it in. You know, wing foot. We watched Bryson run it into the greens a lot and knock it up to the front edge. A lot of the links courses in Ireland, you'd knock it on the front edge, two putt, and get out of there. I think it's going to be harder to do that here. So I'm beginning to think it's a positional kind of thing off the tee, um, but uh, we'll, we, we shall see. I'm often wrong. I think another interesting thing too is the physical plant, the footprint of this place is not enormous and they can't let in some of the same numbers of fans that they do at other U.S. Open venues. And I just don't think you're going to get the trampling effect on the rough. You know, and Bryson bombed it at Wingfoot. The strategy there was he could hit it in some places where gallery had been a lot. And that was actually part of the strategy. If you miss, miss 400 yards downrange where you have a chance in, in spectator areas. And I just don't know if that's going to be as much of a factor this week because I just don't think there's as, the same number of people that are going to be walking around and creating some of that. And that, and that Bermuda's not going to react the way that the, the rough of Wingfoot Right. I thought it was interesting, I, you know, how the Bermuda rough played. And and so, Brady, go. let's talk. You walked around out there today. Talk a little bit about what you saw and, and some of the players you watched and what you think is going to go happen. Well, I've heard from players. I'd love to hear your guys' take on it, is that the bunkers are they're soft. So fairway bunkers are soft, greenside bunkers are soft. That changes some of the calculus. I mean, missing a green anywhere near the bunker that's not in the bunker this week you'd think would be worse than being in the bunker because of all the fescue. But if they're soft around the greens, that's going to make it tough. And if the fairway bunkers are soft too, that – that's going to make it interesting. It makes the fairways tighter in a way because you can't just knock it in there and hit it out like it's nothing. It's, it may be a, you may have a price to pay from that, so I, I think that'll be interesting. I don't know. You guys were out there today getting in on the bunkers. I agree 100%. The bunkers are tough. Yeah. Yeah, we, we had a 5-iron 18 yesterday, and it plugged. I mean, you'd never think a 5-iron into a hole would plug in a bunker, but uh, it sits down pretty good in certain spots as well. So and it's pretty I, soft all the way around, right? So yeah, it's not just going to roll down into a fly at all. No, no, you saw some funky lies in there, Jackson. You've been handling short game this week with Ben. Uh, 
talk about some of the stuff you guys saw as you prepared around the greens, chipping and pitching. I mean, there's some really – I mean, there's some gnarly stuff around those greens. It almost looks like native grasses, if you will, kind of around the bunkers and stuff where you – you know, I was just looking today as I was watching, like where I was seeing where people were thinking pins would be, and as they get firm, as you know they will, like you could see a ball taking two hops, barely skipping up into that stuff where you've got a pretty good downslope. Yes, Matt, I'll take more wine. Um, where you could, you know, where you could barely skip through and then just have something that's impossible to get back down. How are you guys handling some of the stuff with short game? And hopefully you're handling it well because. We need you. There are just a bunch of different conditions, right? Like around the greens, you can have like the tight, firm grass, and then you can throw it in the Bermuda, like JP was talking, two yards off the green and it sit down. You can also have it sit down 15 yards off the green or be up, and then you have the grass around the bunkers that was way different than the Bermuda. And then you have the bunker salts, and you've got four or five different situations that you need to be prepared for. Short game wise, um, I think the greens has surprised me a little bit with the size. And I think based on how you can approach it from some of the fairways, uh, we were talking about lag putting. I think that'll be a huge priority over four days with um, the golf course changing and how it runs out from the fairways. I think there's going to be a lot of like second shots chasing up short of the green or on the green, and then you've got a massive putt across the green. So um, I think the short game has to be pretty diverse and then I'm going to expect a lot of good lag putting you know when you see somebody coming down the stretch on Sunday that's really a good point about diverse short game and I think if I have one complaint broadly about U.S. Open slash USGA setups is when the rough gets too out of control around the green it takes away diversity of short game and makes it just kind of a hit and hope situation I think one of the genius elements about say Pinehurst when you have shaved runoff areas and you have more uniform conditions, they're very difficult shots, but you have to demonstrate technical skill at hitting those shots. And when you get into some of those bonkers lies around the green, it's mostly just, you know, hopefully I can hit the ball and maybe it'll go somewhere. And to me, that detracts from the skill element and makes it much more of a risk of a of a luck element. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and I don't I don't particularly like that. I'm fortunate to be working. You know, I work for Harris and Brian Harmon, particularly Brian, who's probably one of the better short games on tour. And you know, I could throw six golf balls into similar situations just off the green, even up up at that short game area. And you know, he's going to struggle to understand exactly how it's going to come out. And I don't think that's part and parcel of his technique. That's just part of the way the golf course is playing so to your point that that takes that mitigates the skill a little bit of you know what those fellas can do around the green it steals his advantage a little bit yeah i i just was amazed at how different difficult the lies could get and how different they could be from like one pace to the other This is the Dew Sweepers Golf Show, live on 105.5 FM and WNSP.com. Keep it in the fairway with Golf Digest Top 50 and Golf Magazine Top 100 instructor, Tony Ruggiero. 
You're listening to a special U.S. Open preview show with excerpts from Tony Ruggiero's Tour Coach podcast series on the Sports Station WNSP. If you're a Dew Sweepers fan, be sure to check out the Tour Coach wherever you get your podcast. And so we talked about this, Jackson, and I talked about this on actually our ride to pick JP up was one of the things I was going to stress to Ben was that I think it's important to understand that there's going to be times it's okay to hit it to 20 feet and understand that you probably going to make a bogey because I watched not just Ben, but I watched a bunch of players out there. Uh, one of them, uh, you know, is a favorite Cameron and like hit a bunch of shots around the green where they thought they were going to hit good shots and they didn't even get them to the green from lies where you're easily going to make a bogey at best, but you could turn it into a six or a seven if you're not careful. And we talked about this. I think it's really important to understand like that it's okay to make bogeys and that, that sometimes like your best play is hitting it to 20 feet, chopping it out there, trying to make a 20 footer. And if not, you walk away with a bogey. But because I also thought compared to like Wingfoot, where I didn't think there were very many birdie opera, like, I mean, Eli, y'all played so good there. And I was with Lucas at the time and he played great. But like, there weren't like a ton of holes where you just said, we're probably going to get birdie here, you know? <clears throat> but I thought there's opportunities out here. If you drive it good and you hit some good shots, there's going to be some birdie opportunities. But if you miss it in the wrong place, I think you got to be willing to take bogey or you can turn it into six or seven in a heartbeat. So, so Tony, what you're saying is your players are going to hit the ball in the fairway, hit the ball onto the green, and hold the putts. That's all we're trying to do, JP. <laughs> I mean, I told Ben today, I don't even know why we're practicing chipping. We're going to hit 72 greens. That's why they're the big dollars. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm killing it, right? Right? Love it. <laughs> I mean – I mean, what are you doing? Why are you working on chipping if you're such a good damn swing coach? Why are you working on chipping? I'm working on ta- I'm working on tap-ins. I had to coach a kid today on how to tip the hat and then get it out of the hole. I mean, so are you working on the celebration? Are you not working on this? We'll have a little seminar later. I'm selling the seminars online. Um, <laughs> you teach your guy to leave a spot a clean spot on the sleeve, so if things go well, the first couple of days you can plop a sponsor on there. Velcro. Yeah, <clears throat> we do Velcro sponsors, and I rotate them between holes. <clears throat> and I don't know a good agent, but if there was one out there, I would highly suggest you have – I mean, that's not being mean. It's all, it's it? all holograms. Now. Right. I would, I would have patches with Velcro sponsors. <laughs> And like when my guy got in a bunker and he got up and down, boom, waste management comes right in. And you put that thing before he putts, right? You need a pit, you know? you need a pit crew. Right, right. Somebody run out and stick it up. What up. about like temperature gets high and dude, like they show he's got a bunch of butt sweat. Next thing you know, dude wipes is on the, on the sleeve. I mean. Why not just put it across the back of his pants? Am I the only guy that's thinking outside the box here, Matt? I should start my own agency. I've talked about that. Tom Lovelady's going to come run this thing for me, but we need an investor if anybody's listening. I think you should ask the public investment fund. The PIF, I don't want to get into. I don't want to get anything stirred up because I know Jay's in the hospital, but I I do. Uh, the PIF is thinking about kind of sponsoring the Dew Sweepers, and we're fairly involved. We're fairly far down the road with this. As we drink a glass of wine. <laughs> My 
seventh. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm gonna probably. I'm gonna probably, and I want to give a special shout out to Cheech Chong's cruise shoes right here. Uh, going public soon. You just, uh, lock, you just lock that piss endorsement down right there. Just, that just, and that's right up their alley. Right up their alley. HD, you got to yeah, bail me out here. HD, you got to bail me out. So what are you guys going to do to prepare tomorrow? Um, just still the same stuff. I mean, I just – yes. Um, just still, like I said, I, I think uh, – uh, we mentioned it earlier before. I mean, obviously, you know, I think lag putting, this, you know, golf course evolving, changing, drying out. It'll be interesting how much the USGA lets the golf course go and how severe they, you know, West don't Fort don't Kansas. water. So good, right? Yes, Brady, it's Brady is. Perfect. The weather's going to be good. I mean, if anybody's complaining this week, they should just end their career. It's going to be seventy-two. You know, a little marine layer of meat in the morning. It's a little chilly in the morning for me. I understand. Need a bath. Brady, your your prediction since you you're from here. What what do you think? Uh, what's your guess on the USGA's uh, way they're going to go about the golf course and how it's going to evolve? Yeah, but HD is on podcast. Thanks for teaming me up. I really appreciate. it. I think Thursday, Friday, we'll keep it pretty under control okay. with all the players out there, and then if if they're going to let it get spicy, we'll be on the weekend when there's not as many people on the golf course and trying to get people a challenge on the weekend. But I, I don't think, like, 10 was interesting today, because I'm sure you guys, if you hit it on the right side of that fairway, even the middle of the fairway, it kind of hung up. Right. Yes. It didn't come. And they have the mesh down on the left side of the fairway, because that ball should be going left. Absolutely. So the fact that balls are still hanging up on that hole is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine that by Saturday that ball's not going down into the left side. And that's where, you know, you have to have control you don't just have to hit it where you are aiming. You kind of need to hit it with the right shape. Right. What you guys said was it's not necessarily just bombing it out there. Sure. You know, you're better off hitting it at 250, 260 with the right shape and holding the fairway than you are hitting it at 310. No question. And losing Push control. Yeah. Then you're just gambling with the result a lot. Okay. So Absolutely. What you said about it being Scheffler's kind of vibe, you know, higher ball, ball J- Jason Day. Jason Day is a high ball hitter. and. I mean, Bryson. It can be the guy that hits the most greens because short game is sort of a variable this week that you don't have a lot of control of. If you hit a lot of greens, you can have an excellent chance this week. Right. You don't have to, you don't have to kill it, but you need to be in control. I agree. I agree. Yeah. What you take is, as Taz, wouldn't you guys want to see your player hit the middle of every par three for four days? No, no question. I mean, that's bold, right? If they hit twenty greens a reg on the par three, you take. Yeah, because that's where my mind is racing a little bit, you know, trying to analyze the golf course and see, like, asking you or guessing how the how the golf course is going to evolve. And I think the par threes, like I said, are, in my opinion, going to tell the difference in the championship. I really do. I think there's enough birdie holes where the leaders, the, the great players are going to, you know, make birdie and score. But the par threes, it's going to come down to the par threes. Matthew? Well, I think – I think the USGA has too gotten away from the ridiculous tradition of killing the greens on the weekend, where you know if it, basically if you had a U.S. Open on Long Island, the greens were purple on Saturday or Sunday, and it's, it was embarrassing because you know you're hitting it on concrete. So I do think that they've discovered that if there is some playability on the golf course and the greens are still alive, that it does reward skill instead of making it a sort of a shuffleboard contest on the weekend. So. Um, I, I think this is this is set up if they can keep control of the golf course, which is not always a given, 
and they can keep it on that edge of you know where players can keep control of the ball and do and hit shots on purpose that produce good opportunities. Uh, we, what were we talking about before? Six under, seven under. I think that looks like the the score. In, in my opinion, it's, there's some gettable holes, there's some places for trouble, but I think that's the right balance of birdies and bogeys and excitement and boring golf. Watch that backswing and keep it out of the rough. This is the Dew Sweepers Golf Show on WNSP, presented by McConnell Automotive. Once again, your host, Tony Ruggiero. You're listening to a special U.S. Open preview show with excerpts from Tony Ruggiero's Tour Coach podcast series on the sports station WNSP. If you're a Dew Sweepers fan, be sure to check out the Tour Coach wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'm going to go back to you, start with you, go around the table here to wrap this thing up. Three players you think are going to be in the mix come Sunday. I mean, I love Brooks Kepka. I mean, we talked about that earlier in the night, uh, the health and the confidence. I mean, to, if I were picking the winner, that's the guy I'm picking. I love the way Scotty plays. The, the putting stuff with Scotty is disturbing. I think when you're messing around with a different putter on a Tuesday of U.S. Open week, that's a little bit of a warning sign for me, but um, and and I think John Rahm's played relatively poorly for a couple of weeks. It, it makes it easy to forget how good he's been for the last eight months. So I, I, I'm going to go Brooks and and uh, John Rahm with half Scotty, half Scotty. Half sets it to you've given us two and a half people, but I mean Rahm's kind of big. Scotty's big guys. Well, I didn't really go out, got out on a limb there, did I? Do mine, JP. I don't, I'm the host. I don't. And I'll just I'll just say this: we were another bat we were talking about early. If you're going to take a guy who hits it far enough, plays hard golf courses well, Patrick Harrington is an old guy who hits it far. He plays hard golf courses well. That's if you're going to bet if you're going to bet a top twenty, that's a pretty good. If we had a casino back in this radio show and and podcast, which we should, and we're open for 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 purchase, right? I'm just throwing that out there. If this As needed to be, morning. if As this needed morning. to be the MGM per se, PIF right? PIF tip of the week. You would put Padraig Harrington. <laughs> yes, you know, we're, you know, like if somebody was going to bet six hundred billion on the guy that's going to play good this week, you would pick Padraig Harrington. Um, my plays of the week. I really like, for some reason, I like Morikawa because he grew up here, around here. He's a really good iron player. Hadn't played necessarily great. We talked about it earlier. I think everybody's, like, pulling for Homa, but I don't think Homa's form has been as good coming in. Um, And uh, uh, so I like Morikawa. I like I like Kepka too. I mean, I just think Brooks is playing really good, and there's a little part of me that, for some reason, thinks DJ might play good this week. And then I've got to go with Ben Carr, Harris English, and Tom Hoagie because <laughs> their people are sitting at our table, and we promise that if somebody out of this house won, we'll do it again next year. And I enjoy this group. HD, who? What are your picks? Well, 
I'm uh, partial to Tom Hoagie this week. So, but uh, other than Tom, uh, the three players I, I definitely would take would be uh, Scotty Brooks, and uh, I'm going to throw a long shot in there, and I'm going to throw Bryson DeChambeau in there this week. I think uh, that's the real <laughs> I just think Bryson is uh, – he showed a little form, a lot of form at Rochester, and uh, I think this golf course lends a little bit more to his uh, strengths, and I think that uh, he might be dangerous here. Good, good call on that. Eli? Well, like HDM, definitely uh, biased towards my player, Harris English. As you should. My number one pick. Um, it's kind of hard to rule out Brooks Kepka. Uh, obviously, he's, he's going to be a force. But uh, my my other pick is Xander Shoffley. I think Xander. Yeah. He's got a great short game. Uh, I think he's about ready to rise to the occasion. Another California guy. You know, and he's not. A he's he's guy. up there in the piff tip of the week. Yep. Yep. And piff of the week. Piff of the week. Harris Harris doesn't finish number one. Brooks or Xander. That's good. I can't wait to hear JP's picks. These will be so politically you correct. Sound like your late night radio host. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I feel like I was sitting with Jay Leno during that? You got to be a DJ. Uh, I like I like people who can really control the ball. Like I, I mean, I was watching. I was I was speaking to Nick Doherty and uh, Radar today. We were looking at it, just thought this is this would be so much up Tiger's alley. This golf course, like shaping it off the tee, holding the fairways, gets harder, like loads of lag putting. You know, like you guys are talking about lag putting aside. I've, I've sort of I know what Sergio Garcia is like, and I know that he would really fancy this type of challenge. Wow. Um, I know he was very bullish about getting into the tournament, and you know. He uh, he's obviously an incredible ball striker and someone who can really control the ball off the tee. Um, my allegiances are, of course, to Harris, Brian, Luke List. Luke's playing really good at the moment. Um, he's got that little fairway driver thing he's got going, and he can shape it both ways. Tees it up a little bit higher, turns it, um, moves it, you know, in and around. And, uh, you know, Harris is looking good. Brian's driving the golf ball better. So hopefully, one of those four. Um, Three out of the four would be right up my alley, but um, I've always been an admirer of Sergio Garcia and his ball striking. Perfect. Brady? Um, I will go, if Scheffler couldn't putt worse than he's been putting, and nobody's hit it better than he has, maybe historically, only VJ one time in a tournament, so I'll go with Scheffler because he can't. If he just putts a little better, he's going to be right there for sure. And then... Um, I kind of like Terrell Hatton this week. Oh. You know, he's been pretty consistent. That's a good one. Our golf courses lately. And then my other one is Ricky because he's had a very consistent year in all the in all the majors and big tournaments as well. So I could see Ricky playing well here too. And Spieth, Spieth shouldn't be discounted. No, no. I can only get three. So You can have four. Okay. We like you. Yeah. We like you. It is a home game for me. All right, let's wrap it up with Jackson. Take Jackson, give us your picks. And obviously you got to put Ben Carr up there. I, I – I, I obviously included Ben, yeah. but an amateur hadn't won it in forever. So, you know, I do think we've got the next Bobby Jones with us. But It'd be a great way to get an exemption. I mean, if he wins it, I mean, they got to let him in the rest of the stuff, right? Besides all the big names, uh, I like Jason Day this week. 
hits it high, good putting. Uh, I'm a fan of Ricky, so I'm kind of rooting for him a little bit too, swinging it nice. And Corey Connors hits a piss ton of greens, been playing all right. Maybe coming off a, I don't know, a Canadian win in the RBC. Pump him up a little bit. Corey Connors didn't win the Canadian. No, but the no, Canadian won. So we're rolling with another Canadian. Well, I knew Nick won, but I didn't. I mean, and I get they're both Canadian, but. I, I think I'm going to use Piston in a story. Do it. We're writing so much content here. Those were great picks, Jackson. I had to, I had to go off the wall after everybody picked all the big names, you know? You could have just gone in line with everybody picking the big, big names. Guys. Elar, first of all, thanks for hosting us this week here. Fantastic house. We haven't even got to the top floor yet. I didn't even know there was one. Um, but uh, HD, always a pleasure. Matthew, thanks for coming over, joining us for dinner. We're going to tape another one here, though, after I reload this wine. Uh, Brady, what can I say about you other than you've lost 100 pounds and you look better than anything I've ever seen? And you're a great teacher. JP, thanks for putting up with me. Jackson, keep it real. We'll be back next week.